This presentation might be one of the best presentations to transfer over to podcasts that we have on the online clinic. This one by Jake Novotny out of Fountain Fort Carson High School in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Shot this one, I want to say, uh, right after COVID. Took a trip out to Colorado. I was with my dad and my son. Um, really had a good time. Stayed in a, a really rustic cabin out in the woods. Snow in the mountains was beautiful. I remember we got stuck on the mountain. What a great trip. But got to meet Jake Novotny. <clears throat> and this one, I pulled a ton personally from this, and it affected my class. My- uh, practices personally and I think it has helped us be a better football team I hope you'll enjoy this one if you want to see the video or any other videos that we've produced all this is available over at clinic.chiefpigskin.com I'm Jake Novotny I'm the head football coach at Fountain Fort Carson High School uh, we're located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, just about 10 minutes south of Colorado Springs, about 30 minutes north of Pueblo. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about the banked reps theory um, and more effective practice planning. So my background, I've been the head coach at Fountain Fort Carson High School from 2016. Um, prior to that, I was assistant coach at the college level, CSU Pueblo, from 2012 to 2016. And uh, prior to that, I was assistant coach at Heritage High School in Littleton, Colorado from 2009 to 2011. And then I got my start when I was actually in college as a youth and middle school coach. So I say all that to let everybody know that, you know, prior to me being a head coach, I was exposed to several different practice structures and methodologies um, on, on how people go about approaching practice and what it is that they do to accomplish the goals that they're accomplishing. And, um, and so, been a lot of trial and error. It's been a lot of different ways of looking about how we're going to practice, what we're trying to accomplish, what's the best way to utilize our players, what's the best way to get our guys ready for, for Friday night, and most importantly, what's the best way to develop kids through a four-year process. So a little background on Fountain Fort Carson High School. It's a, a unique situation that we have here, and it's awesome. obviously it's one that's, that's a little bit different than, than most. Um, and it's something that uh, we kind of pride ourselves in being a little bit different, but it also has its challenges as well. So the uh, school population is about 1,750 to 2,000 kids, um, and we play in the 4A, 5A classification, which are the top two classifications in, in Colorado for football. Um, our, our school population can fluctuate, and so we've played both at the 4A and at the 5A level. Recently, we've been at the 5A level and, and, and have played and competed at that level, which is with the highest and, and biggest classification in, in our uh, school districts. Um, our school district is partnered with the U.S. Army, and I think that makes things uh, really unique in our setup here. Um, Fort Carson Army Base is less than 10 miles away from our campus, um, and that really brings some unique challenges, but it also brings some great opportunities for us as well. Um, 60 to 70% of our student population is identified as a military child. And uh, that, that comes from, we have, like I said, we're less than 10 mi miles away from Fort, Car Fort Carson Army Base. And, you know, we have probably a number of our kids who have moved into their second or third high school by the time that they get here with us. Um, now, with that, that brings a transient student population that results in, in high turnover for, for players. And um, that both is for in and out. And uh, we've, we've had some of our best players that we've had walk in right at the beginning of the season. We've had some of our best players 
walk out right before the season starts. And so that brings a challenge to not only how we practice, but how we do a lot of things in our, uh, in our program. Um, so with that, we get varying skill sets, knowledge, and, and background of our athletes at FFC. Uh, we have kids that come in and, and they PCS or they get transferred in from Texas, from Virginia, from Hawaii, from California. It just depends on where the Army is sending those individuals and their families. Um, and it's, it's, it's something that, you know, depending on where they've come from, they could have a lot of development as a football player. They could have very little development as a football player. And I think also our school district does a great job of, of really getting kids bought into being a part of something because it does become a, a challenge here when some kids are on their third or fourth high school in the matter of a year that, hey, getting involved in something is hard because I'm just going to be moving away anyways. And so for us, we get uh, a lot of kids trying to come out and play football that have never played before. And we get kids that have played at three different high schools by the time they get here. Um, it is a challenge, but it is something that we, we enjoy because we get to uh, really test ourselves as coaches and really figure out how you know, we can get our team every year on the same page. And I think that's, that is a unique thing for our school is that you know, every time we start in January, our team might look different than it did a month or, uh, later or earlier in, in December when we ended. Um, and our team might look different in May than it looked in January. And our team might look different in August than it looked in July. And our team might look different in November than it looked in, in, uh, at the start of the season. And so that is a challenge for us. But that also is, is a big reason why we've had to come up with a uh, streamlined way and efficient way to practice. Um, our program is one of the bigger programs in, in the state of Colorado. We carry 125 to 150 football players, 9th through 12, and we have three levels of football. We have uh, freshmen, we have JV, and we have our varsity level. And, you know, un unfortunately with a lot of things that have happened in the last year or two, we've seen a lot of JV programs that have, that have collapsed um, for a, a lot of story programs in our state. Um, and, and that is an unfortunate thing, but we're pretty lucky that we carried those three levels and those high numbers all the way through the pandemic. And with that, we're expecting a lot of growth in our area over the course of the next five to 10 years. And we want to continue to support having three levels, if not more, and finding a streamlined way to practice that develops kids from the time they walk into the door to the time they leave. Even if they leave us after a year, we want to make sure we develop them in the best way possible. So prior to 2021 season, um, we, we practiced all over the board. We had a lot of different ways that we looked at practice and we tried to find the best way. And, and so the only reason I bring this up, what we did prior to this past year is uh, we've gone through every different way or methodology or structure you can in practice. And we're, we're trying to figure out what works best for our kids and what works best for the high school level. Um, and so we've done everything. The first five years I was here as the head coach, we did everything possible uh, to try and find a way where we can up the tempo, up the intensity, and, and also um, up the development of our players to be ready for a Friday night. So prior to that, we were a traditional approach to the week. Monday, we had about a two-hour practice with film. That was usually shells or full. Tuesday and Wednesday would be two hours, maybe two hours and 15 minutes. Full, we're going to be out there hitting and team periods and live, right? And then Thursday, we'd have a 75 to 90-minute practice or a walkthrough in helmets, right? And then Friday night would be game night. Um, We'd keep that schedule, you know, we'd keep that schedule from August almost until the playoffs. And we always felt we needed more time. We always felt we needed more reps. We always felt we needed uh, more group work or whatever it was to get the kids ready for Friday. More, more, more. We always wanted more. And um, what we found out is that didn't always translate into us playing the best as we possibly could on a Friday night. 
Okay, um, so prior to that, we were primarily a two platoon system. Okay, we tried one platoon, we tried one and a half platoon. Okay, we believe with our numbers that we can be a, a, a two platoon team most of the time, but we also wanted to play our best players uh, in the games, especially in the games that mattered late in the year. And we found a hard time with the way we practiced before of getting those guys reps because we wanted more. We wanted more out of them on the side of the ball that they were primarily on. And we were unwilling to give them up to the other side of the ball um, because we felt they needed to be a part of the, the, the structure we were doing or part of the period that we were doing or part of the film work that we were doing. And it was hard for us to get, give them up. Um, we tried one platoon, okay, where basically your best 18 to 20 guys played. That didn't work for us in the size of school we were. We felt like too many kids lost interest. We weren't retaining kids those years we were doing it. And we weren't doing a good job of developing that next tier of guys to be ready to play. And then we lose one guy, and now we're trying to replace one guy with two people. And, and we never felt we did a great job with that. We tried one and a half platoon where we would have uh, certain days where we would go offense primarily for the full day, and then we would do defense at the end and vice versa as the week went on. And... That didn't work for us as well. It was, it was, we never felt like we were fully prepared for what we were going to see on a Friday night. You know, one of the issues that we found uh, prior to this past season when we, when we started adopting our new practice style was our JV players, they served as our scout team, and they never really got developed in our system. And that was something that was difficult for me as a head coach and being somebody who's previously at the college level, those are like our red shirts. We should be developing them. We should be bringing them along in our system. And I never felt that those guys were ready to play. It was like we were starting over every year um, going into our spring and off-season program. Um, I was a big believer in the old school way of bringing players in at 8 a.m. every Saturday morning. We're going to bring those guys in. We're going to do film. We're going to do recovery work in the pool or a recovery lift. We're going to do one of those types of things, okay? And I was a big believer in bringing those guys in at 8 a.m., we're going to get them up out of bed. We're going to get them going. And um, what we ended up finding out was as coaches, a lot of the time, we didn't even have time to jump into the film ourselves. We didn't have time to really look at it, to grade it, to, to put things together so that we could get better on a, on, a, on a Saturday after a Friday night game, right? And we also found out that, you know, those recovery workouts, you know, our kids were working hard and, 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 and doing stuff all through the week, and then we're bringing them in on a Saturday again to do something that, Maybe they don't need to do, and all they really need to do is just kind of rest. Um, and I didn't deviate from the schedule or structure. I did that for the first six years I was here. That's how I was brought up as a, as a, a high school assistant. That's how I was brought up as a high school player. And that was what I was going to do because that's the way everybody did it. And, um, you know, I felt that if we weren't doing it that way, if we weren't maximizing the amount of time we were here and, and, and having kids in, having kids on Saturdays, and yeah, it was hard. We need to grind. You need to get better. You need to be here. The only day off is Sunday because that's the day that Chassa, uh, our state association mandates it. I felt like that's how we were going to build toughness. And what I really came to find out was that was really uh, putting the strain and the stress on our kids and our development as a program. And so what were our results from from practicing that way? Well, we had early exits from the playoffs. And I think a lot of that had to do with our kids were grinded out. They, they were going two hours a day, six days a week, and trying to perform late into the year when they've been pounding their bodies and, and getting up early and going to school, and, and they're just, they were just beat down. I think a lot of them were looking forward to getting done with the year and moving on to their winter sport, which is all great. We all want kids to be multi-sport athletes, but for, for us, we want them to be playing their best ball and be looking forward to the end of the year. 
you know, players and coaches were tired and, and they're ready to move on as the season came to a close. And I, I really noticed that our that our coaches, even as much as our kids, were just they were tired. They were they were sick of being in the in the field house or the office or the or the game planning room on the field. Um, when it was something that they loved to do, by the end of the year, it was something that they were ready to get done with. And it kind of showed in the way we played. And, and, and our coaches were, were exhausted as much as our kids were. You know, we saw frequent injuries to, to key players. In, in 2019, prior to the pandemic, we, we probably set a record for injuries in, 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 in our program. I mean, we, at one point, lost our starting quarterback on a, on a Monday in practice and lost his backup on a Wednesday and had to start a freshman on a Friday, who is now our starter, and it ended up working out for us. But at the end of the day, why was those things happening? Um, a lot of key injuries to key guys, and we always felt we were catching up. And the other part to that was we always felt like we were trying to get guys ready because they weren't ready to play when somebody did get injured. And, and we really didn't have the philosophy or really didn't have the foresight to look at and say, hey, injuries are a part of the game. Guys not being there are a part of the game. How are we going to develop the next guys so that we feel confident in their ability to play? Um, our team skill was the same at the end of the year as it was at the beginning. We didn't see a progression of getting better. Maybe the starters, maybe the guys who got all the reps all the time got a little bit better, but we didn't see that program-wide. We, you know, we felt we were the same team, which is probably why we had early exits in the playoffs. Um, we, we saw a breakdown in, fundamental, in, in our fundamentals and our player and system development, right? Kind of like I was alluded to earlier, our, our players' skill level didn't get better from week one of fall camp to week 11 in the playoffs. It, it was kind of the same. It, it, some guys got better, some didn't, but we didn't see a huge growth. And then on top of that, I don't know if our younger guys or even our older guys got better in our system. Did they get better in the things that we were asking them to do? Um, and what we kind of came to find out is we were carrying too much in some of that as well. Um, and and kind of like I alluded to already, our younger players or our JVs received very little reps and, and many of the backups were not ready to play um, at the level we needed to when, when, when their number got called. And, and that was a big problem for me. That was something that when I sat back and looked at the way we practiced prior to that, it was, it was, it was something that was hard for me to really stomach. You know, one thing that kind of came from this is we had the pandemic in 2020 and it forced us to look at how we practice and it forced us to look at what we were doing and, and find and make changes not only so that we could stay on the field during the pandemic, but also so that we could um, continue to get better. And from the pan some good things came from the pandemic, and one of them was we, we were able to sit down and look at how we practiced. Okay? And so we identified our practice, our practice structure problems. And um, here's what we kind of came up with uh, when we sat down as a staff and looked at it. One, our practices were way too long, and, and they were not adjusted to account for where we were in the season. Right? I had always heard that everybody talked about, hey, when you get late into the year, you want to taper. Okay? You, want to, you want to make sure that you're practicing less on the field. You're not banging as much. You're not hitting each other. The, the physical demands on the field are not as high as they were early in fall camp. Right? And so when we sat back and looked at it and we started looking at the time that we were spending on the field, okay, just on the field, not even in the media, just time on the field that we were spending, Right prior to even the pandemic year, okay, when we were looking at that, we go, man, we're spending way too much time, especially in November. You know, we're out there; it's cold, right? It's dark out, and and even though we have practice lights on the field, we're we're practicing out there, and kids really don't want to be out there for two hours doing the same thing in August that we were doing in 
uh, and doing it in November. And I, and I think that's something that we really had to humble ourselves and look at. Do we need to have that full two-hour practice, right? We didn't have enough post-game recovery, right? We brought those kids in at 8 a.m. on Saturday. Come heck or high water, they're going to be there. We're going to be talking to them. We're going to be in their ear with film. And we're going to be doing recovery because that's what they need to do. That's what everybody else did, okay? And, and what I found out is they were not getting enough rest, all right? We had a lack of tempo at practice. You know, early in the year, fall camp, everybody's buzzing. Everybody's excited. Everybody's uh, ready for the football season. School's starting, right? The fall air. Everybody's excited, right? Everybody's excited at the start of the year when you're doing those types of things, okay? Um, but can you stay excited late into the season? And what we came and found out was that, you know, our tempo decreased as the year went on, right? Kids were slogging through practice. We maybe allowed it as coaches. Our coaches were tired. Our coaches couldn't run everywhere and be excited and have the energy late in the year because they were tired. They were exhausted because of the demands I was putting on them as, as a head coach or we were putting on them as a program. Okay, and so our, our tempo, right, and it doesn't have to be fast-paced, you know, 100 miles an hour every time, but the tempos that we want to have, transitioning in and out, running through drills, having a high competitive team period, those things didn't happen consistently middle to late of the year, okay? We didn't have enough competitive periods, all right, or periods that replicated playing the game. And I think that was a big thing that I sat down with our staff and I said, look, we need to have periods that replicate them playing football. Everything can't be scripted. Everything can't be put so that they have to nicely go through it and, and figure it out, right? We need more unpredictable. We need more. They need to figure it out on their own as the situation comes up. And we were unable to put those types of periods together in our practice because, again, like I was saying, with the more, more, more mentality, we wanted more indie time. We wanted more group time. We wanted more seven-on-seven, seven, more team, right, uh, uh, against the things we were going to see that week, and it was more, more, more. And what we found ourselves doing was adding to our scheme, adding to our techniques, right? And so competitive situational awareness in football for our kids got lost because they needed to know the technique. They needed to know what they were doing on this call, okay? And then we go back and look at our calls in, the, in our self-scout and realize that maybe we're only calling something three times a game that we practice all week. We're not getting the benefit out of it that, that we think. Okay? And so our kids weren't very um, aware of playing situational football. They didn't know how to compete through an adverse situation because we never replicated that in practice. Okay? We uh, found out, now I'm all college coach now, we found out we spent way too much time drawing scout cards. Way too much time running scout cards, way too much time uh, running scout teams, and we never ever got the look we wanted. I am the believer now that scout teams are the biggest waste of time in America in my opinion. I think that people put way too much stock in drawing cards, right? And, and I think people put way too much stock in scout teams. I think the more good on good and, and group work, which I'm going to talk about later here, is, is the way to go. And, and I was, this was hard for me to let go of because I was brought up as a graduate assistant, as a college coach, that we were going to draw 50 million cards. We were going to show every single look to the kids so that they were going to be ready to go on a Friday night. And the reality of it is, is, is that's really difficult to do to take your JV kid or your number two who's not good enough to start for you and tell him to go replicate something that is not the offense or the defense that he runs. So as soon as you run the rep, he realizes he doesn't have to be accountable to it because we don't know exactly their rules and so how and why should he. And so we spent way too much time with that. And so for us, you know, we would spend way too much time lining guys up and in the right front for our offense 
only for the snap to, to, to go and we run outside zone and our defense just kind of watches it and not, not fit it at all as it's going to be on Friday night. And so, you know, same thing on offense. We spend way too much time putting together stuff that we already had in our arsenal that we could get a close look that our kids can, could, could replicate during the week for Friday night. Um, we were not practicing our two-way players in, in, in a way that would effectively prepare them for what their role would be on a Friday night. You know, I, I believe that you have to play some of your best guys both ways. I don't believe that they have to play both ways 140 snaps a game. I think you got to be smart uh, on, on where you use those guys. You know, perfect example, our linebacker that we have the last couple of years, he's a Division One linebacker. He's a really good running back as well. We utilized him, especially late in the year, at specific times to uh, utilize his talents in the game and get him the ball, right? Two or three or four or five touches a game. But prior to the, this, when we identified our problems, is we didn't give him an opportunity to practice the things we were going to ask him to do Friday night. So it came game time, either A, he was not confident and therefore maybe messed up something, or B, we were not confident in him, and so we didn't give him the reps. And so we were wasting more time in practice and, and, and wasting his time uh, on a Friday night. And then lastly, um, you know, something uh, that I think is, is, is kind of a big deal is, is our assistant coach skills. I have assistant coaches that are all great guys, but their skill level in coaching, in teaching, and their confidence level in, in the game is, is of wide variety, right? They're all part of our staff for, for a, uh, uh, a certain reason. They're all great guys that connect with kids well. They're great people. They're great men of character, and I believe in that, and I believe that we can teach guys how to be great football, player, or football coaches for our players as we go through that. And I think that uh, what was happening is <clears throat> we were – it was really easy for our assistant coaches to not get involved in coach or to hide because we valued too much indie time, right? They, they could go and coach something and be wrong and, and not because we want to be a jerk to them or whatever, but we couldn't get it corrected. Some of the coaches that have a little bit more of experience and background maybe help them work through it. And so we weren't creating an environment for our coaches to be successful either in their development as a coach and their, and, and their ability to prepare our kids because everybody was kind of spread out. Nobody was working together, um, and guys were, were not utilizing their, um, their, their time effectively, right? We were finding time or filling holes with drills that maybe didn't match up with what we were trying to get done on a Friday night, okay? Um, so the last thing was our JV and younger player development, too. Again, as I've stated, I don't think our JV – kids and our younger players were really getting developed because they weren't spending enough time with, with their coaches uh, and, and running our system. They were too much spent on being a scout team guy or being pushed to the back of the, of the line during the reps and, and those types of things. So <clears throat> once we decided we needed to make a change, we went out and did our research, just like any uh, coaches would do, and we talked to a lot of people. And so here's kind of some of the influences and resources that we utilized to come up with, with this. And these aren't the only ones, but these are probably the main ones. So first and foremost, um, and, you know, a lot of people know of him or, or maybe even know him, but uh, Matt Drinkle, tight ends coach at, at Army. He was the former head coach at Kansas Wesleyan. He's a, a very good friend of mine, a very good friend of my offensive coordinators. And, and we called him in and had a lot of conversations with him um, because when he was at Kansas Wesleyan, he told us, you know, look, coach, I'm at Kansas Wesleyan. It's not much different than being 
you know, at the high school level. Sure, we have scholarship kids, but we have the same issues. We're fighting depth. We're fighting player development. We're fighting the ability for our coaches to, to coach certain things. And, and so for him, you know, really a lot of the ideas that we got here, we, we took from him and utilized from what he did when he was a head coach there. Um, you know, a, a good friend of mine and a, a local, a local uh, person, local head coach, Ryan Goddard at, at, at Pueblo South uh, High School with 30 minutes down the road from us. You know, they're a smaller school. They've had some of the same issues. They don't have nearly as many kids as we do, but they go and they've had to find creative ways to practice. You know, and, and we specifically talked with him about how he practices his two-way players um, because that's, that they're a program that has to thrive on more two-way players than a lot of other guys. You know, something that I know a lot of people are familiar with nowadays is the uh, feed the cat system. Um, Tony Holler and Brad Dixon, I don't know them personally, but they have tons of, of information out there. Um, both of them are, are high school coaches in the state of Illinois, and they're, they're, they have tons of stuff out there. Tony Holler's a track coach, and Brad Dixon's a football coach who adopted the Feed the Cat system. And so the rest and recovery aspect of what we're doing really came from, from those guys and, and, and the philosophy that they have out there that, you know, you want your kids at, ready to perform at a high level on a Friday night not Monday or Tuesday, okay? Um, you know, Kenny Simpson, again, I don't know Kenny Simpson. I've heard him speak. I've, I've, I've listened to his, um, some things he's done on podcasts and some things he's put out there. He's got his own website um, that I've st uh, stolen a lot of things from. But he's got a book out there called Coaching Football Like a Basketball Coach. And the idea being that basketball coaches coach in a conceptual way. And they carry things offensively and defensively in a conceptual way so that their players can, um, you know, have as much same as teaching as possible so that they're more focused on understanding the concept than maybe the, the little piece to it. And so we really stole some of the things that he talks about in that book on, on how to set up our offense and defense. And, and then also on his website, he has a lot of clinics and a lot of things out there that he talked about on, on how they do individual work or what they call pod work. And that's something that we've adopted as well. And then honestly, trial and error. We really just, you know, we, we knew what we didn't like. We knew what didn't work. We knew what was things that we didn't want to have and what we were looking for. Um, and and we, we knew we had to think outside the box. And I said, that's the other thing to finding, you know, a practice method at the high school level that really works for you and your guys, right? Think outside the box because everybody has different skill levels of the guys at, in their area and at their school, right? You have some schools that, that carry 150, 200 players and they're all dudes that are going division one, right? Different skill set. I maybe not adopt this, pra this practice structure to that, okay? But most of us have guys that we get what we get and we have to get them developed. And so we really, we knew what we didn't like and we knew what we, what we liked or where we wanted to get to. Uh, by doing that. So we call this, or I call this the banked reps theory, okay? And, and, and we adopted this way of practicing. And so the banked reps theory, and if we had to define it, I guess, is, you know, a deliberate and fundamental reps are taken over a period of time should compound and improve the, the player's performance, okay? And that's the key part. Player performance is at the heart of this practice structure, okay? And again, so I'll say that one more time. Deliberate and fundamental reps taking over a period of time should compound, right? Like money in the bank should compound into an improved player performance, all right? So the theory behind that is, is every time a player takes a rep, Okay, and a rep in my mind is meeting room, walkthrough, indie, group, okay, team setting. Anytime they take a rep, okay, that rep becomes stored, okay, or banked in the player's mind and muscle memory. Okay. 
it gets stored or banked in their minor muscle memory. And so we want to be able to keep drawing out those, those investments when it comes to Friday night. And we want to keep putting in those investments, keep putting money into the bank over the course of not just really a season, but the course of, of an off-season and, and really a calendar year, okay? So the one thing that's really important is, is as more reps are banked, okay, more reps are put into the bank, player performance increases and time spent is decreased. Okay, and that's a big thing that people can understand. Now, I had to get out of my way with that. As more reps are banked, as more as players take more reps from start of your summer program till the end of the year, okay, their performance should increase and the time doing it should decrease. Okay, and and that's a, a, an important thing. And so our core principles and beliefs to practicing this way. So there's a couple things that right out of the gate, if you're going to try to adopt this type of practice style, you absolutely have to either a stop doing or you need to really buy into or whatever the case may be. But this is what we 100% believe that guides kind of our northern star in guiding our practice structure. Number one, rest and recovery are everything. Rest and recovery are everything. These kids are high school kids. They're growing. They're changing. Okay. Not just rest and recovery from them for them, but rest and recovery for your coaches. Okay. Um, you know, but that is the center of everything because rest and recovery is going to equal high performance later. Rest and recovery is going to equal high performance later, okay? Another core principle you absolutely have to adopt is offense and defensive systems must be built with multiplicity and flexibility, okay? So, you know, we went back through and we looked at with our offense and defensive systems, are they built for us to have several different looks in them so that we could give each other, okay, the looks we need? Because our answer to not having a scout team, okay, was going to be related to what our offense and defensive systems were built on, and I'll explain that here in a minute. Okay, We wanted to put more of a premium on fundamentals and focusing on the fundamentals that we're asking kids to do. Okay, We all talk about fundamentals. We all talk about it. We all want to spend time on it. But are you practicing fundamentals the same amount that you are in the summertime and early in fall camp? Are those things still a premium in November when you're making a playoff run? Okay, and, and really with the banked reps theory is we should do a lot of work of that early, okay? Late in the year, we don't have to do as much, but we're still going to touch on it. We're still going to focus on it, okay? All right? We, what we do is more important than what they do, okay? And, and, and I have a coach on my staff that really helped me look at this this way, okay? What we do is more important than what they do. And I know it's hard saying that. I had to get out of my way with this one, okay? Because we all watch film and we all want to do... Uh, certain things to attack what teams are doing, okay? But really, when you start looking at it, and you could boil it down to something as simple as this, okay? What, play, what, what plays or what fronts or what things we're going to see from an opponent can only do, they can only do so many things. So, for example, on a defensive side of the ball, okay? We've boiled it down to, okay, the offensive line can only do a couple things, all right? They can block down, they can block out, they can pull, or they can pass set. And really, those are the main things that we have to understand that our kids need to know how to react to, okay? And from an offensive perspective, you can, you're going to see a one-high structure or you're going to see a two-shell structure, okay? Maybe some man, all right? And I'm just using those as examples. Whatever the case may be, there's only so many things that can happen. And the other part of this is, is football is a trend, a trending game, right? Everything trends. And so we're going to probably see the same things most of the weeks than we're not. And so we really believe that. We really believe that we're only going to see so many things from a team. So let's get good at reacting to those things, okay? All right? And then we wanted to also, the core principle belief is that we're going to 
invest in tempo and we're going to invest in, in a competitive environment as much as possible. Okay? And so, how do we get that done? What's our objective? So, the first thing we need to ask is what are we trying to accomplish every day when we go out to practice? Okay? You know, I think all of us at the high school setting for the most part are, are somewhere where depth is an issue. Okay? Our ones are really good. Our ones can play with anybody in the state, in my belief. Okay? And I would say that most people feel that way, that their ones are, are, are probably their best players and are, are the guys that can compete. Okay? Um, our lower levels are our kids that are still developing, they're still growing, they're still uh, you know, becoming their own man, let alone becoming a football player. And so you know, the idea of having them be our scout players was something that you know, was, was getting frustrating. It was we weren't getting the same look, we weren't getting the same intensity, the same competitiveness, the same tempo. So we said we're going to scrap that, okay? And we're going to go one-on-ones as much as possible. Okay, again, like I talked about earlier, biggest waste of time in America, in my opinion, is, is drawing scout cards and putting out scout teams. Okay? Um, I know some people can do it, but I don't believe that majority of high schools can do that and get what they want out of it. All right? And so we came up with ways to get, to get um, around that, and I'll explain here in a second. Okay? Our practice in August versus our practice in November. Okay? We should be practicing differently in August than we are in November, and what I mean by that is the time spent on the field. Right? And again, I've heard it. I know a lot of people are out there doing it, but for me, this was something that was a realization. We had to spend more time on making sure that our practices late in the year were mental and were focused on when we were on the field, we're gonna, we were getting something out of it in a group or team setting. In August, we're trying to build our team. We're trying to build our fundamentals, our practice habits. It's going to be longer. It's going to be more of a grueling situation, okay? But it, it shouldn't be that way in, in November when you're trying to make a playoff run, okay? All right, a drill bank. Okay, and if nobody, if, if you haven't done this yet, I highly suggest that you do that. Okay, offensively and de defensively, my offensive coordinator and myself, we sit down every year before the season starts, and we it takes a couple days to do it to do it right, and we write up on the whiteboard. Okay, all right, offensive line, tight ends, receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. Okay, defensive line, outside linebackers, inside linebackers, safeties, corners. Okay, and what we do is, what are we asking these guys to do? Okay, and then what we do is we look at that and we go, okay, how many of these things can be worked on together across the same position groups, or excuse me, across different position groups? Okay, getting the same technique taught. All right, and we try to whittle down the main techniques that every kid needs to know in our program to a, a to a list of things that we're going to go through on a weekly basis and check off that we did. Okay, and so. Again, if you haven't created a drill bank, I think that's something that everybody can do now to get them better. And I think that's something that's fluid that you do every year, okay? You're, it's not something that you just do once and you're done, okay? As you ask kids to do more things, does it fit into that drill bank? If it's creating a whole new drill or a whole new technique, is it worth the time? Is it worth the, the expense that you're putting in, okay? All right. The other thing is, is that we want to simulate things that will happen in a game. Like I said earlier, our kids were not getting enough time of actually playing the game and playing with the unpredictability of it. And so what we want to do is create situations in our team or group settings where coordinators are calling plays based on the situation, not a script. Okay. Down and distance was a factor, okay, where kids were actually having to think about it's second and medium. What does that mean? It's third and short. What does that mean? What are we expecting? Okay. Um, Practice substitutions, right? We want to have periods where we're off the field, no coaches are on the field, and kids have to come in and out, all right? Situations where somebody gets injured, right? And, and we say, hey, so-and-so's down, and the next guy's got to go up, all right? Penalties, that was an issue with us 
many years prior to this is we never practice what happens when a penalty happens and then our guys having to back up and what that really means, right? What that means to a drive. And so being able to simulate those situations, maybe manufacture them for the kids or let them come up organically in a team setting, okay? We were able to do that more this past year, all right? And then we also want to always ask the question, what is the most valuable way for us to practice 11 on 11, right? Is that going ones on ones? Is that going ones on twos? It's, is that doing pod work? Is that doing group work, okay? There's times where, where the best answer for 11 on 11 is not us going ones on ones and it's not us going scouts. It might be us walking through something where our JVs are just out there standing out, out there and we're doing alignments or we're doing targeting. That might be the best answer depending on where we're at in, in, in the year. The best answer might be we're going to go hard ones-on-ones for a 12-play drive, and, and whatever happens, happens. It just depends where you're at in the season and what your team needs. Okay, so what did we do? So we started doing some things, and we stopped doing some things. So we started doing these things over here on the left. One, we started pre-practice coaches' meetings and post-practice debriefs. Okay, I, A lot of my staff is out of the building. I have a lot that are in building, fortunately, but... One thing, when I was at the college, we always met before practice, knew what was going on, okay? I don't have the time to have a 30-minute meeting. Quite frankly, I don't want to have a 30-minute meeting before practice. I, have a, I do a three- to five-minute meeting. Sometimes it happens on the field. We call them sync meetings, all right? We bring the coaches in. Hey, you guys, you good on this drill? Hey, I need you guys doing this. I need you, your focus today is to run when we transition or move kids quickly through a, a drill or, hey, when we're doing a seven on seven or we're doing inside run, this is what I want you looking at or I want you looking at, okay? And it helps get guys on the same page. The best thing we've done are post-practice uh, debriefs, okay? And I'll talk about those later. But after practice, we come in and we debrief. We talk about it, okay? Um, we started doing more good-on-good, one-on-one service periods. Our one-versus-ones is really good and is going to get our guys better, okay? But with that, we also did a lot of twos-versus-twos, right, where guys are getting the opportunity to compete with their skill level, okay? We chose more pod work versus indie work, okay? I don't think that a lot of – after we chose this, more of our positions started working together versus working individual, right? Our, my D-line coach and my O-line coach were notorious for complaining about having 90 minutes of individual a practice because we were off doing all of our other stuff prior to this, okay? But now they are, they're coming back to me like, hey, we need more indie time because they're not used to all the group work that they're doing, okay? Um, we, we, de we devoted more time to JV and, and more intentional reps to our twos. We utilized teach periods and walkthroughs if you're not utilizing teach periods and walkthroughs, guys, I'm telling you that was a game changer for us. It doesn't always have to be a million miles an hour. Sometimes the best tempo is a tempo where you're going through things with kids, okay? That doesn't mean it's slow. That doesn't mean that, that we're just slog, slogging around out there. It's fast, it's quick, but we, everybody's coaching, okay? Um, more competitive group and team situational periods we talked about already. And then we, we were able to share two-way players more in practice. We made that intentional, okay? Here's what we stopped doing. We stopped drawing scout cards and having scout teams. Stopped it. And as you've heard me say that three or four times already, but that was a huge deal for us getting better, okay? We stopped doing a static stretch. Now, I know everybody does dynamic stretches. We had a part of that. Our stretch took like 15 minutes before this, and it drove me nuts. <clears throat> now everything is dynamic. Okay, we are maybe five minutes total, all right, and and it's about getting them going, getting the the pump primed, and moving on. Okay, um, I stopped bringing kids in on Saturdays. 
the only kids that come in on Saturdays are the lower levels that have a game. Okay? I don't see our kids from the time we're done on Friday night till Monday morning for school or, or after practice. Okay? But stop bringing them in on Saturdays. I, that is a key piece to all this. Again, that's, that's something from the Feed the Cat system that, that we got. Rest and recovery. Are pre- they are better off staying home and sleeping in than coming and doing a recovery workout with me that, that really is not going to do anything because they're not going to put the mental engagement into it that they need to. And on top of that, we, most of the time as coaches, didn't even have the film ready, so that gives us time to go through and, and really pull out the things we want to emphasize on a Monday meeting. Okay? Um, we, we stopped doing a ton of new weekly installs for offense and defense. Okay? That doesn't mean we never tweak things. We never had an adjustment or added a wrinkle. Okay? But prior to this, we added this new play or this new front or this new coverage that most of the time was never practiced until that week, which was awful because we'd get into a game and we would either be really bad at it and therefore not run it because we got burnt on it a few times, or we weren't confident in the kid's ability to execute it, so we would only run it maybe five, play, five snaps a game. Okay? And, and so we stopped doing that new flavor of the week defense or offense. Uh, we started really honing in on the things that we need as an offense or a defense to really carry what it is to go and win games. For, for both sides of the ball, okay? Um, we stopped scripting every little thing. We allowed for more situational and unpredictable things to come up in team settings, okay? We did script team periods, obviously, but we didn't script everything. And then we stopped having two-hour practices late in the year because of, of rest and recovery being at the center of this, all right? And then um, we stopped doing things that didn't help us on Friday. I mean, that's really what it came down to. What's going to help us perform on Friday, okay? If it didn't help us perform on Friday, it didn't matter. Okay, so some key concepts for this practice style, okay? Um, how are you going to set up your offense and defensive schemes? And I think this is a really good starting point, okay? Um, we all operate with a finite number of snaps when it comes to our offense and defense in a given season, okay? So what do you carry, number one, that can help you be successful and can give you answers when people stop things or when people attack things, okay? So what can you carry? More importantly, what can you carry in practice, Okay. Be realistic. What can your players execute? All right. And then most importantly, do you have the ability by one or two tags to get into multiple looks or packages easily? Okay. And this is key because remember, there is no scout team. So what we have done, we've eliminated scout teams. We go good on good. Okay. And what happens is when we do team periods that are offense or defensive emphasis, okay, we'll, we'll script these periods. But if it's an offensive emphasis, my offensive coordinator will come to me and say, hey, I'm going to see a lot of overfront with cover three this week. Awesome. So we get into an overfront cover three, okay, as best as we can play in, in the techniques that we know. He knows that it's not going to be maybe exactly what he sees on Friday night. And then on the flip side, when we do a uh, defensive emphasis, I'll say, hey, we're going to see a bunch of 10 personnel zone read with RPO on the backside. And so he will do that and give us a bunch of looks at that. And I know that, hey, it may not be exactly what I'm going to see Friday night, but here's the thing that I come to realize. How many times is it exactly what you're going to see on Friday night? Because we could pra- I've had it where all week I drew, the, drew, uh, drew up the perfect look only to never see that look on Friday. And our kids got to adapt to it, right? I'd rather our kids know how to fit zone and know how to fit power and know what their rules are and the coverages that we're going to play a lot of and offensively know how to block power, know how to block uh, outside zone and how to run our sprint out game and do that really well 
with the rules that they have as opposed to doing it based on what we're going to see. Okay? Um, and that brings me to my next point. Be, you got to be okay with it not being exact in that situation. I used to, that really used to bug me. But you know what? When I drew scout cards, what I know, what I've come to find out is it was never exact either because I draw the, draw the scout card and the kid wouldn't run it a post route right at the depth it needed to be at or wouldn't get to the backside backer. Okay? And so it was never exact. Whereas now I can put our kids in something that they know in our terminology that they've practiced since May and we can get a, as close to look as we're going to see on Friday night at a high level, at a high speed. Okay? Um, and that, that kind of brings us to, to having rules and fundamentals that are going to show up. Okay? And here's the thing. I will tell you this. When you set up your offensive defense, okay, and this is not just about scout teams. This is just kind of philosophy I have. The rules and the fundamentals that you have in being sound is going to beat most teams on Friday night, all right, than some gadget trick that they're going to pull out of their hat. And quit. So I've learned to just quit chasing ghosts, and they, what if they do this? We're going to stop with what they do, and we're going to be prepared for, for what they do, but we're going to have our rules and our fundamentals to fall back on, and that's what we're going to hang our hat on. Okay? Um, in service periods, we run our systems against each other based on whatever emphasis we are on, offense or defense. Okay? The only time, I, I will never tell you that we never draw a card again, okay? but the only time that we will draw scout cards are, are, are two situations. For a walkthrough period when we want kids to go fast in alignment type of situation, okay? most of the time I'll say, hey, line up like this, and what we've gotten to now is I'll just tell our offensive guys that are serviceless, hey, line up in this formation that they already know, okay, and I want you to walk through our power play is called Army, walk through Army, and they walk through it, and that's 10 times better than drawing a card, okay, but the only, we do still draw cards for some walkthrough situations, and we also draw cards if we're seeing that oddball offense that, we, like, our offense really just can't replicate, or same thing defensively, okay, but Outside of that, 90% of the teams we play are going to be doing the same things we're doing in different ways. And we have the ability to get there on both sides of the ball, okay? We play a flex bone team. Well, we might have to teach a new formation, but, you know, blocking scheme-wise, we might still be able to do, you know, a down block and a, and, a, and, a, and a zone block, right? We just got to find the best way to give that to our kids in the terminology. But we'll still draw cards in those very few situations, okay? So... How do you commit to this style of, of, of practice, right? Well, it really starts in your spring and summer, okay? We're talking about, I mean, it's called the banked reps theory of practice. It starts in spring and summer, okay? And it really starts in making sure you understand that all spring and summer you're going to go through and you're going to work on the fundamentals, techniques, go back to that drill bank all year so that when you get to fall camp, okay, you can start seeing where kids are at. And as the season progresses, you can start decreasing the time spent as the, as the investment goes into the, the performance, okay? And so we don't have spring football here in Colorado. We don't do anything with our guys on the field uh, in terms of, of a mandatory on the field thing until the last two weeks of, of May, last two weeks of school. Our track team is really successful here. I got a lot of kids running track, okay? So there, a lot of them are running track during that time. And so it's just we got multiple sport kids. We lift from January until till then, and, and that's kind of the most contact I have with them. We'll do some other things here and there, but that's about it. So basically from those two weeks until fall camp, okay, we have 30 to 32 football sessions that we have scheduled prior to fall camp. Okay? And what, how we do that, and we have our spring camp. That's usually in May. That's six practices. I used to try to do spring OTAs. We found out, again, trying to do, you know, trying to do too much. 
the right kids weren't showing up and we weren't getting those guys until late in May anyway. So why be out there doing something that wasn't going to be beneficial for everybody, okay? So we do six practices the last two weeks of school, okay? Kind of an install camp. We are allowed to do a summer padded camp, uh, 10 practices. We do that first two weeks of June, okay? And then after we've done that, that's already 16 practices. After that, we have six weeks of summer that we have. We go twice a week of, of dedicated football time where we're continuing to work on these skills, where we're continuing to bank the reps. We're continuing to see, because again, like I said, my philosophy is this. Our inside linebacker, he, if he knows what down block is and out block is and a pull, and he knows how to fit that 100 miles an hour, we're better off him knowing how to do that than him trying to worry about every little thing that could possibly happen, okay? And the more he sees that from, from May until August, the better he'll be once we get in the fall camp, okay? And then we do a preseason mini camp just to get the kids go, get going again in August, right? And, and this is where the invest, investing in the bank happens, right? We use all of these off-season and preseason opportunities to establish the following things. Base offense and defense, okay? Our rules, our alignments, our keys and reads. you got to be solid on your rules, alignments, and keys and reads if you're going to practice this way. Because if you're going to change them all the time, you'll never be successful with this type of practice method, okay? Um, we've... Uh, establish our fundamental pod and group work. That's where we take that drill bank. Okay, which groups are working together? Which, how, which group drills do we like the most, okay? And then um, we try to film what we can for, for our teaching purposes during that time frame. We, you know, we're lucky enough to practice in our own stadium all year, so we film as much as we can and try to use that and utilize Huddle and sending out things to kids through Zoom or whatever it is throughout the summer to kind of work on that. And then we fo focus on learning as uh, the focus is on learning as much as it is getting as many reps as possible because, again, we're trying to bank the mental and muscle memory, okay? All right, then we get to fall camp. Uh, generally in Colorado, that's about 12 practices, okay, including a scrimmage. Again, we're still banking the reps. We're still banking the reps, okay? We establish who our players are and what our team is going to be, okay? And then we start asking, what do we keep? What do we get rid of? If we've invested time in something that's not working, we're better off getting rid of it, all right? This is where we're going to establish our tempo, our competitive periods, more uh, time with our pod work, uh, with groups working together. And then we want to scratch off those situations, okay, that we want to work throughout fall camp, okay? Um, again, continue to invest in the rep bank. And then... Um, our practices, this is probably the time frame where our practices are right at about two hours, but we'll never go past that, okay? And so our, what we've gone to when we get into our game week, right, and this is where the beauty of this structure really happens. When we get into our game week, this is kind of what it looks like for us, all right? Our kids are off Saturday and Sunday. I don't see them unless they're a lower-level guy or unless they want to come watch the lower-level guys, which we encourage, okay? Monday is a heavy film day, all right? We're going to be in helmets. We do all of our special teams. It's a fundamental day. We do opponent preview, and we're out. Okay, and I'll go over the times here in a second. Tuesday and Wednesday are pretty similar. They're both work days. We're going to be in full gear. As we go later in the year, sometimes those are shells. Okay, we are going to make sure we do these two drills because these two drills are the most important to us. Inside run and a drill we call split drill, which is completely taken uh, over seven on seven for us. We, we barely do seven on anymore. Okay, and then we're going to do our team emphasis for that, for that week. Okay. Thursday is going to be our, our run-through. We're going to be in shells. We're not going to be in helmets. The focus is do everything as fast as you can, as perfectly as you can. All right? And that's where we're going to work a little bit more situations and then review. Friday is game day. All right? 
um, and we have a pregame checklist we go through for a walkthrough, and then we kind of have some downtime, and we go get after it. That's the day we're building up to, right? And the way that we want to believe this is, is we're going to build up from Monday to Friday, okay? We're not going to have a bunch of dips in our practice. We're going to build up and slowly get more competitive and get, get more ready as the week goes on, okay? So then we've, we, we've looked at, and I've gone back through and done this, and this is kind of our general tapering schedule that we look at when we go through and do this, okay? And this is kind of broken up into phases. This is not exactly how it is. It depends on how your kids are, how you're feeling, all right? And these are some things that we've done, all right? So generally in camp to about week three of the season, our day one practice is anywhere from 55 to 70 minutes. Day two is 75 to 120 minutes, okay, which would be your Tuesday. Day three, again, similar 75 to 120. Day four is the day before practice. That's 65 minutes. Friday is game day, which is day five. And then we're resting, six and seven, okay? When we get to about week four to six, Mondays, 45 to 65 minutes. Now, this is time on the field, okay? All right? Um, day two, 120. Day three, it's 105. And day four, 65 minutes, okay? which is not going to change. When we get to week 7 through 10, we're really cutting back the time on the field. Okay, 7 through 10, we're on the field 35 to 45 minutes total. Special teams, fundamental work. Day 2, maybe 90 minutes. That's our work day. Day 3, 80. Can day 4 is at that 55 to 65 range. Get to the playoffs, Okay, we adjusted a little bit. Day 1 is probably more closer to 50 minutes. Okay, but that's because day two and three were cutting down significantly, all right? And, and, then, and then again, day four stays at that 65. And again, as we put more reps in the bank, we can spend less time at it, all right? So here's what our Mondays look like. We start with the team meeting. That's usually 10 to 15 minutes. We go through players of the week. We do an effort tape, you know, three to five, maybe 10 plays max. Guys giving great effort or guys giving poor effort, okay? Rewarding what we want to see and, and, may, and coaching up what we don't want to see. All right, my special teams coordinator will do a special teams uh, review or a preview, depending on how he feels how Friday went, um, and then kind of go through the message of the week as a team. We break up the offense and defensive units, and then we go, and um, sometimes we do positions, but mainly it's our units, and we go 25 to 45 minutes. We watch a cut-up from the previous game. Guys, I don't have time to watch every single snap from the game. Wish we did. And that was one thing, you know, you give up on a Saturday, bringing them in, well, we never really watched the whole game then either, so I guess I was okay with that, right? And so you got to look at that. We, we put together 10 to 15 plays of, of good and fix it, right? What was really good, what needs to be fixed. Um, and you got to balance that out, okay? And we try to make notes on it and have that ready to go. Uh, and then we try to do an, uh, an opponent scouting report. We put that on huddle. We try to get that out to them Sunday night, okay, ahead of time. You know, I think if the pandemic taught us anything is we can send stuff out electronically, get it in their hands ahead of time if you haven't been doing that already. And, and then you don't have to cover as much when you're in person with them, okay? Then when we go on the field, we're going to do the kicking game. All, all uh, teams and, and their situations and opponent preview. That's the focus, okay? We're going to do some fundamental stuff that we can do in, in helmets like pursuit, team tempo, ball security, takeaways, maybe an alignment period, all right? I'll preview our opponent. Total time on the field, 35 to 60 minutes, depending on time of the year, okay? Here's what a general practice Schedule looks for, like for us early in the year on a Monday. Okay, as you can see, we're doing all specials at the start of the, of the practice. Okay, all right, doing some fundamental work there at the end and, and then some preview. Here's what it looked like for our last, our last week of the season this year in the quarterfinals. Okay, and you can see all specials are still at the top. All right, we're still doing some fundamental work. All right, the thing about this, you can notice there's no time frames on there now. I tell the kids it's about doing the reps that are prescribed and doing them quick. 
and it takes uh, as long as it takes. Okay. Tuesday and Wednesday are pretty similar. We start with a team uh, meeting. That's a three to five minute meeting total, if, if I can make sure that it gets that way. I'm going to go over the schedule for the day and the expectations, and then we're going to break up. We don't have as much meeting time this day. Then we break into our unit meetings, 20 to 30 minutes, and that's where we're going to uh, talk about what our emphasis for the week is for offense and defense, and watch maybe a, a, a five to ten play cut up of our, our opponents, and, and, and maybe a previous practice if we feel we'd rather do that. Okay. I do a coach's pre-practice sync meeting, either in our coach's office or out on the field. All right, And then once we're on the field, we are going to do a walkthrough and a teach period. We're going to work on situations and competitive things, okay? fundamental group and pod work. All right, And then our total time on the field is anywhere from 70 to 120 minutes, depending on where you are in the year. This is where we do our coach post-practice debrief. If you're not doing these already, I got this from a guy who was a special forces guy that worked at... Uh, at Fort Carson Army Base, he was a 10th group Special Forces um, guy that, that, that really talked about this. this. is also something the Blue Angels did, okay? It's a debrief meeting where we come in as a staff, five minutes, we ask these, these questions right here, okay? What, uh, what and who did we like? Okay, so what did we like about practice and who, did, who stood out, okay? And then what needs to be better tomorrow, whether that's a team period or a way we're coaching something or a tempo, whatever. And then I tell the guys to, to grade practice tape at home if we've done it. Um, you know, some guys will do it in the morning, whatever. Basically, I just want them to look at it. I don't really have them necessarily grade it. It's look at it. Maybe text your guys if, if something was wrong. Tell them to look at a certain play. I go through. I put notes on it, and then, and then we kind of go through that the next day. Okay? So here's what a, a Tuesday looks like early in the year. A lot of stuff on there. But remember, this is like a fall camp practice, okay, where we're getting a lot of work done. Okay? And then this again, our Tuesday practice from our last week of this past season, way cut down, way shorter, okay, a lot of team emphasis. You can see this one has a lot of pod emphasis, a lot of team emphasis, okay. Here's a Wednesday day, because again, they're very similar. That was early in the year, a lot more pod work, a lot more, uh, you know, things where we're working in, in, in groups, okay. Here's our last playoff game, a lot more team oriented, all right. And then our Thursday, Thursday, we get done with school. There's no meetings before practice. We're going shells. Kids are on the field as quickly as we can get them on the field. Our focus is fast tempo and review. Our total time on the field is 45 to 65 minutes. I challenge the kids to move fast and get it to the 45-minute mark. That's really the goal. And then post-practice, we do a, a team meeting as, as uh, the travel group or the dress-out group. Um, and I go over the itinerary. We pick weekly captains, and I give them my kind of final message and theme for the week. Okay, and here's what kind of a fast Thursday we call it looks like, right? Right, that's early in the year, okay? And you can see a lot, a lot of emphasis on team stuff, okay? And we have, we've prescribed a certain number of plays. We don't want to run a whole game the day before the game, all right? And then here's our uh, fast, fast Thursday late in the year. Again, same similar type of deal. Not much of a change there as it stays the same through the week, or excuse me, through the season, all right? Friday's our game day. We do lift on Friday. We do a morning uh, central nervous system or, or spark lift work for all the kids that are in my uh, first hour weights class. After school, I don't let them go home whether we're on the road at home. We go right to our locker room. I give them downtime as they get there. Then we go out on the field and, and do a special teams checklist and reminder walkthrough that maybe lasts 15 to 20 minutes max. Okay, not No running, just kind of jogging through stuff. We do some final means, and it's all about performing, all right? And this is kind of what our special teams checklist and script looks like. The, the one on the left there is 
one that we had, you know, really detailed that we've used before. The one on the right was what we used a lot this year. We kept it real simple, and, and, and that was really good for us, okay? Then Saturday and Sunday, players are off. Lower levels come in. The biggest thing with the players is sleep in, rest, recover, okay? Coaches, um, unless if they're coaching at a lower level, I don't necessarily require them to be there. A lot of them do come by. Really, that's kind of on your own time to, to watch the, the night's uh, game from previous night and uh, work on, on your opponent. We usually get film around noon here in Colorado, so you're working on the next opponent. Everything needs to be done you know, by Sunday morning. And then Sunday, again, all players are off. That's you know, statewide. Uh, our coaches do come in on Sundays. I'd like to be like some of these guys. I don't bring guys in, but I do believe there is some value in face-to-face -face game planning and talking. So you know, and our game plans have become a lot easier. We don't sit there and come up with a new defense of the week or a new offense of the week. It's, hey, what do we do well that's going to give us the best opportunity to beat these guys on a Friday? Okay, and uh, you know, offense comes in at eight. Um, we have a full staff at eleven in special teams. Try to get through that quickly. Uh, defense, we talk right after that. It says noon, but it's, you know, if that meeting, full staff meeting, lasts five minutes, and it's at eleven oh five, we talk. And then we discussed last game and put together our practice and game plan for next opponent. And I think that's the biggest thing. We utilize Sunday to plan practice more than we do to, to game plan nowadays. Um, we're going to run what we run. We might add some adjustments. We might talk about some formations that might hurt us or might help us or a play we might like or a tweak or a wrinkle. But we really want to make sure everybody's on the same page, at least for Monday and Tuesday's practice. So here's my final thoughts on, on this practice structure, okay? We film as much as we can. And I know everybody's at the point now where they can, they can do that some way. Um, if you can't, you know, try to film stuff on your phone if you can, you know, and, and help yourself out in the best way possible. But we film everything. We have a sideline. Uh, we got the huddle focus. We turn that on as well, too. That's a great way to, to, to hold your coaches accountable, all right? We have an end zone film going, and we have a drone, which if you can get a drone, that's the best film out there known to man, okay? Um, and we try to film the things that I, I put a premium on, always team periods, any competition we do, any group work we do, any pod work we do, okay? Um, we script all teams and service periods, and um, we kind of menu our group and competitive work. And what I mean by that is, is team and service periods. When we're late in the year and we're trying to give each other the best look possible in our defensive and offensive systems, we'll script that to make sure my offensive coordinator is getting over cover three and I'm getting zone read RPO or whatever it is, okay? But in our terminology, when we do competitive and group work, we put together a menu. So what that means is we don't necessarily go, well, this play is going to go against this defense. We say, hey, these are the two or three calls on offense. These are two or three calls on defense. You can call them at any time and we menu them, all right? Um, and then we also script when two-way players are going to be uh, needed in, in team periods so that they know and we know ahead of time and we're not uh, causing a conflict on the field. Okay, one thing that what you can't really see in our, our practice schedules, but one thing we do is our JV and our lower levels double rep or mirror rep everything we do. So what I mean by that is, is if our varsity ones and, and one and a halfs are doing Inside run right next to us, our JVs are doing them. They may not get the film, but they're running it right there with our JV coaches. And we pare down the menu for them, and we pare down the script for them. If we're doing team on one side of the field, our JVs are doing a team on the other side of the field. So now guys are getting more reps at the things that they need to do within our system. Okay? Um, we do special teams work early in practice. I used to believe in kind of putting it everywhere. 
We try to get it done in the first 15 minutes of practice if we can, unless we have a kicker that's on the soccer team that comes late. We've had that before, okay? Um, but I try to do all special teams work early in practice, okay? Um, and then uh, we utilize teach periods in, in up-tempo walkthroughs as much as possible. And this is where maybe we do some more of that carding that we talked about, okay? So last part here, I'm going to talk about some essential drill work that we believe is, is effective for what we do here, okay? Um, our, our philosophy on drill work is very rare that any of our positions are going to get more than 10 minutes of indie time, okay? We prefer pod work over indie work, okay? Um, two positions work together based on the skills or techniques that we're requiring them in our system, okay? Uh, this allows for a stronger coaches to be with your weaker coaches, and I think that's one thing to address that, that, that need of... Okay, we have some coaches of different confidence levels and, and various backgrounds, right? Well, if I run a drill where my outside linebacker coach and my inside linebacker coach are working together, okay, whoever's the more confident guy there can help, help him out, all right? Um, and it's more realistic of what we're going to see on a Friday night. We create a drill bank. I talked about that already in a checklist prior to every season so we know what drills we want to get done. One-on-one, two-on-two, and, and team competition periods are essential. We try to do one every day. Whether it's a team one or whether it's one you know that involves tackling or, or whatever the case may be, um, fundamental group work drills that we utilize consistently and we truly believe in inside run. And if you look at a lot of our practice schedules, we have two inside run periods early in the year. We have a gap day and a zone day. So our offense gets used to blocking gap for ten minutes, and the goal is as many reps as we can get off on that menu. Okay, and our defense is going to see gap for ten minutes straight. Okay, and, and same thing with zone. Um, we do the millennial Oklahoma drill or perimeter drill. Half-line skelly drill is a good drill that we like to utilize. Um, combo and, and half-line are two things that we really believe in. And then, and then lastly, split drill has been, been the best thing that we've done that we weren't doing before. Okay, So here we go, just kind of some diagrams. <clears throat> combo and half-line. Half-line is your essential, you know, what everybody's done before, <clears throat> uh, where we're going to put... Half the offense up there, half the defense up there, no DBs are in there. You know, we basically just don't have a backside tackle, so my offensive coordinator always is like, why are we just not putting everybody in there? But it's for us to practice front side stuff, make sure we're fitting it, okay, in a controlled way, and really to make sure we have coaches coaching it, okay? Combo is, is something we do before that. We really love this for keys and reads on both sides of the ball. <clears throat> the tackle and tight end are going to work combo blocks against the, we're a 3-4, so they're going to work that against the end and the outside backer. Okay, inside interior three, guard center guard are going to work our nose and two inside backers, seeing pulls, seeing zone, and fitting where they need to fit. Okay, and, and, and we really love those drills. Those are drills, honestly, we will do all summer. We will do all spring. We'll do them walk through. We'll do them with pads on. We do them all the time. Okay, half line skelly <clears throat> basically is seven on seven, but we put half the line up there, and this is a way for us to do some pass rush controlled as well. All right. So as you can see here, we'll we'll do th uh, three reps um, with one side of the line up, three reps from the other side of the line up, and then we switch hashes. Okay. So our left hash will come up, our nose and our end and our outside backer. They're all going to be basically the rule is is if you're stepping to where <clears throat> there's a lineman, you're going to be live for the rush. Now our quarterback is working on stepping up in the pocket, feeling pressure, throwing downfield while our coverage guys are actually working on things, right? So three reps from, from uh, one side, three reps from the other, then we switch hashes. It's not a long period, okay? And we're, we're just trying to work on ways to get pass rush and, and our quarterback being able to throw with pressure in the pocket and our guys get uh, work on pass rush, okay? These are two competitive drills our kids love. Boards, simple. We lay the boards out every five 
uh, <clears throat> yards. We do this at the start of a practice to get the juices flowing, right? Our kids, um, you know, it's a quick whistle. We blow, and then at the, uh, you know, they'll engage. Guy got to drive and try to win, and then at the end, we'll call out two or three guys, and, and sometimes we put that up in the locker room for them to see so they know exactly what it is, you know, who's going against two. The other one that we do is a fight drill, which is <clears throat> three on three. We go different positions. We have a running back. We have a, a, a linebacker. Okay, and, and the, the, the linemen or the guys up front, it's four downs a score from the 10-yard line. Okay, and that's just, you know, again, tackling, block, get off, block, shed. Okay, and really a competitive thing where we keep track of it. Okay, and then, you know, we, we find different ways to do open field uh, tackling and, and some competitions here. Um, this is one where we did some interior stuff with the running backs. They had kind of an open field tackle. While at the same time, on the edge, the quarterbacks are throwing uh, what we call key screens or bubble screens, and our DBs have to work on on attacking and making a tackle inside out. Okay, obviously, you know everybody's doing the perimeter or millennial Oklahoma. You've probably seen Kirby Smart at Georgia do it, where you know we're going to put three guys out there and we're going to put three defensive guys out there, and they're going to either run bubble or rocket screen, and our guys got to work on fitting it based on where they're at. We like to go from the forty going in on both sides, so we can get as many reps going as possible. And then this drill. Is, is the absolute best drill that I think that we've ever uh, come across. This is a drill I got from, from Coach Drinkle, and um, this is completely replaced seven on seven for us. And it's nothing revolutionary. I'm sure other guys have done it, but it's, it's split drill. And basically what we do is um, we're going to line up like it's seven on seven. We're going to have two centers and a quarterback, and we're going to line up on a hash, okay? And we're going to line up in, in one formation. We're always going to put the three-man combo route to the field. We're always going to put the two-man combo route to the boundary. And the field is always up first. So the field center and the field quarterback will throw, all right, and we work on whatever coverage is called against whatever concept is called, okay? And what's great about this is when we do that, every coach is coaching it, and everybody's watching. And it's not just seven on seven and you can, and you can hide, okay? So we go field, we go boundary. We go field, we go boundary. We stay on one hash for one day, go to the next hash the next day, okay? And it's just about you know, 100% working the coverages and the things that we want to do, okay? And so I got two up here if you're trying to do a two-by-two two setup, okay? You'll put two receivers out, put the tail back to the field side so you get the three-man combo. You can work swing routes. You can work, you know, check releases. And to the other side, you'll have two stand-ups. If you're going to do a three-by-one setup, put your three stand-ups out there, put your one to the boundary with the tail back there. Again, you can run your swings and your different things in the back set there. Again, great drill. We don't do seven-on-seven seven anymore unless it's the summertime when we're getting ready to go play in some seven-on-seven seven tournaments. But this has been a great drill for us, and it allows us to get a lot of kids' reps in it. So in conclusion, um, some questions to ask yourself. Are your practices preparing you and your players for the game? Okay. Um, if, if they are, then, then great, and then those, you guys are, are, are right on track. If they're not, what can you be doing? Um, who do you have, right? Like, Who are your players, who are your coaches, and who are your support staff? If your players can't handle doing a lot of things and you need to pare it down, you need to simplify it, okay? Um, if your coaches can't handle coaching certain things, how can you do it so that everybody's getting better, getting developed, and getting the coaching they need, okay? What's the support you have? Do you have the ability to film stuff? Do you not? Um, are you prioritizing rest and recovery? That was the biggest change for us this year. We rested and recovered more, and it showed late in the year. And then have you set up your practices and systems to truly have efficiency and simplicity? Okay, I used to believe more was better, being probably an old college coach, but efficiency and simplicity to me is what really 
makes the, the good teams great because they know who they are, they know what they're trying to accomplish, they know how to solve the problems, they know how to add the wrinkles, they know how to practice it. And to me, that's the most important piece to it. Thanks again for this uh, presentation and, and listening to this. I hope you guys are, are uh, got something out of it. I really want to appreciate Chief Pigskin and, and, and Nate and, and, and his dad for coming down here and filming us. And if you guys ever need anything, there's my email. Um, there's our, our, my Twitter and my Instagram, and you guys can follow us. And we're always putting stuff out there. Um, you guys are always welcome to Fountain Fort Carson High School or always welcome to get on a Zoom call and, and ask me if you guys have any questions on anything. Thanks again.